would say as a high school student jumping into this arena, I think I go through some different challenges that many adults would say they'd go through. I think the biggest issue for me in that regard is knowing like when I believe in an idea that I should carry it through. And my only goal really, I think, given that I'm a high school student, I maybe have a little bit different goals and that we're not trying to make money. We're not trying to sustain on a profit. We're just trying to make an impact. Welcome to Social Entrepreneur. My name is Tony Lloyd. I'm a former Fortune 500 executive, but today I spend my time with changemakers who are making an impact in the world. We hear exciting stories of ordinary people just like you who are making a difference. They share their successes, their failures, and what they're learning along the way. Thanks for being with me today. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to Social Entrepreneur, and today's guest, Isabella He. Now, Isabella is a high school junior. She's the founder and president of SN Inclusion, which provides career technical education for neurodiverse individuals. And as if that wasn't enough, she's also the co-founder of Awesome, and Awesome is spelled A-U-E-S-O-M-E, and they provide at-home therapy kits for children with autism. So I just want to get right into this story. Here she is to tell her story, Isabella He. Hi, I am Isabella He, and I am the founder and president of SN Inclusion and the co-founder of Awesome. And I am a high school junior and a neurodiversity advocate. A neurodiversity advocate. I like that. So how did you get to be a neurodiversity advocate? How did that role fall to you? Yeah, so I would say it was really a transformative volunteer experience. Well, two volunteer experiences, really. First off, at a local nonprofit organization called Friends of Children with Special Needs, short SCSN. And they were a nonprofit founded in around 1996, and it's located right around my house here in the Bay Area. So I started volunteering there when I first moved back to America. So I have a very international background, so I've moved around quite a lot. But when I came back to America, I immediately got involved with FCSN. And it was there that I really got my first interaction with neurodiverse children, kind of getting to know these parents. And through my interactions at FCSN, that's why I decided on one of my family's annual trips back to China. That's why I decided to reach out to local hospitals around me, seeking some internships and seeking some opportunities to get a more intimate understanding of kind of the medical side of neurodiversity, autism spectrum disorder, as well as just get to know these families and their situations a bit more. And I would say it was really during those internships that I really discovered my passion for neurodiversity. That's because I got to interact closely with these children for around three weeks, get to really know their families, and I got to know their situation and how I could help. And I think it was really because of China and, you know, all the issues that you see in the United States with neurodiversity and inclusion, just amplify that by 10, by 100. And those are the issues that you see in some of the other countries. A lot of these children can't even get to kindergarten, can't get an education like they should be able to. And that's why when I came back to the United States, I knew I wanted to do something. And that's how I first got involved in neurodiversity. So talk a little bit about that international life. So where were you born and where are you going? Talk, talk to me a little bit about that. Yes, I was born in California in Newport Beach. And then we moved around inside the United States a few times. My brother was born in Oregon. And then we moved to China. So in Shenzhen, I took school in like a local Chinese school for a while. And then I moved to Hong Kong and did local Hong Kong school. And then I moved, changed schools a few times, got into international school. And then I moved back to the United States. 
that's a lot of life experience for a high school junior. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about what you said a second ago. You said there are issues around neurodiverse children here in the United States, but take that times 10 in China. Is that because of like social stigma? Is it because of the competitive nature of the Chinese community? Why is that? Yeah, I would say it's probably for a variety of reasons. The stigma is definitely one of the major reasons. I would say even within the hospital itself, I got to see a lot of pretty concerning stigmatizations and things like that I think should really be dealt with. But I think also just the way that the system is organized, the way that the education system is organized, the way that the healthcare and things like that is just not accommodating to different learning needs and things like that. So I think that's something that really needs to be changed. Echoing Green has this phrase, they say, your moment of obligation. You see something in the world and you go, it's not fair. And so you suddenly realize, holy cats, I have to do something about this. It's not just it's not fair. It's I have to do something about it. So working with this individual child and then working in your internships, you saw a situation that needed to be addressed. So if you describe the problem that you're solving, what's the problem? Yeah, I would say for Awesome specifically, which is the social enterprise that provides at-home therapy kits for children with autism, we're really trying to solve this accessibility gap in therapy. Because in the United States, we're really lucky that a lot of neurodiverse families, they're able to have health care and able to get these things based on the government's funding and things like that. But I would say even so, there is a huge gap in accessibility for therapy, especially given that for early intervention, it's so critical to have therapy that's continuous. So even beyond the classroom and just day-to-day activities, working for your fine motor skills, working for your communication skills, it's something that the more the better in a lot of ways. So I think there is a huge accessibility gap that's amplified in all sorts of countries, but still exists everywhere in the world. So that's what we're really trying to solve. And that's why we provide the therapy kits so that these parents can learn how to provide therapy in a sense to these children. The medical term for it is, I believe, parent-implemented intervention. So that's what we aim to bring to allow these families to have more of a continuous therapy. You believe that it's parent-implemented intervention. I bet you know that it's parent-implemented intervention. You're a high school junior uh, and you have two, not just one, but two organizations that you founded. Did the SN inclusion was at first. It's a 501c3 nonprofit, right? So your head is shaking. Okay, I'll say yes for you. It sounds to me like you started down a path, SN inclusion. And then at some point you go, we need to add another layer to awesome. So when did you start SN inclusion? So I would say the two are kind of concurrent as an inclusion came first in a sense, but awesome was my original mission. So when I came back from the internship, I was, my initial idea was to bring therapy to these families. So that's what awesome is today, but actually I formed as an inclusion first and then kind of pivoted as an inclusions mission. And now with awesome, I have a team of three other high school students. So we work together to bring that mission to fertility. And then for as an inclusion, it's pivoted from the kind of therapeutic sense for young children into another huge issue I discovered with employment for neurodiverse individuals. You are taking on a lot. By the way, let's give a shout out to your uh, co-founder. So tell me who your co-founders are. Yeah, my co-founders are Anshul Gupta, Andrew Kim, and Arnav Gurudat, and they're also located in the Bay Area. Okay, are they also high school students? 
Yes, very grade levels. So we have two high school seniors and one high school sophomore and myself, a high school junior. This is amazing. So <laughs> you have this S in inclusion. First, you were thinking it was about therapies, and now you're thinking about employment. And at the same time, you're running this other awesome, and, it, and awesome is spelled A-U-E-S-O-M-E. So if somebody is Googling you and trying to find you, they want to make sure that they spell it correctly. All right. So now let's take these one at a time. Awesome. You're providing like at-home therapy kits or something that, that parents can use in order to work with their children, right? Yes. All right. And, and so do they buy them from you? Is it a for-profit social enterprise? Is it a hybrid model? How does it work? Yeah, so far we've given out around 200 free kits. We're actually not totally done distributing them, but we have them already in our houses and ready to go. But these are giving away for free. But we are totally donation run, so we don't right now have a revenue stream. So one of the things we're thinking of is possibly we will sell them, but we definitely want to accommodate parents who can't afford it since that's one of our major missions. So we will always have a free option for our therapy kits. And just to give a little bit more background about what's inside these kits, there's activities like clothespin activities, threading activities, emotions, flashcards. And the goal is to train communication skills through training fine motor skills. So through that hands-on interaction, also interacting with the parent, with the people who are providing the therapy and just having a fun therapeutic experience. Right. This kit through the awesome, how was it developed? Obviously, it wasn't a bunch of high school students who sat around by themselves and just made this up. You obviously had expertise with you. So where, where did the idea for these kinds of interventions come from? Yeah, so I would say the first raw source of inspiration was just the internship itself that I had. I brought in a lot of the activities that I saw the therapists there performing. I also consulted with them, so consulted firsthand with the therapists I work with directly. And then we reached out to dozens of other experts and professors from universities like Harvard and Stanford, and we got a lot of expertise there. So we got a bunch of interviews. We had around 20 interviews, I would say, with all of these different experts and therapists just to seek their opinion and add more activities to our boxes and ask them how we can improve our kit. And then um, you have the second solution. It just It's blowing my mind right now, by the way, that a bunch of, and I don't mean to be dismissive, but that an ambitious group of high school students students has come up with not just one, but two solutions here. So you said you you start off as an inclusion in one direction, but then you pivoted because you're looking at employment opportunities for neurodiverse people. So talk to me about that. Yeah, so that really started when I first got to interact with this really, really talented and inspirational software engineer. So it was at a speaker event that I first heard her speak. And I actually had no idea that she was neurodiverse. But once I told her a little bit about my efforts, I was actually trying to seek her help on these things I was trying to develop on a software side. But she told me then that she was actually neurodiverse. And then she jumped into all of the adversities and challenges that she personally experienced trying to get in employed, being a neurodiverse individual trying to seek for work. And that's when I really got my firsthand take on a lot of the lack of accommodations that is current in our current employment arena. So that's when SN Inclusion pivoted into that employment sector and then really began and turned into this organization that provides vocational training to neurodiverse students. And so it's a big problem, isn't it? I mean, there's like one in 54 children are on the autism spectrum. And then the unemployment rate for individuals with ASD are what? 
So that's more than half a million people that are dealing with this situation. You provide specialized vocational training, right? And so what does that look like? Do you have, do they come to a center and what are they being trained on and how does that work? Yeah. So I was working actually on a research paper on career technical education, which is a form of vocational training that we have here in the United States. And it's just really emphasized hands-on and direct employment experiences. And it was actually through that research paper that I was like, this thing that I'm writing this paper on, it would be so useful for neurodiverse students. And that's when I brought that into S and inclusion. And currently we are an e-learning platform. So we provide these video courses for these neurodiverse students to go through. And our program is organized so that first you take a course on a career that you're interested in. For example, restaurant or cafe or IT, anything really. And then after you complete that course, you then take a job readiness course for things that we call a little bit like a hidden curriculum, which is actually what the Stanford Neurodiversity Project calls it. And it's just working through some of those communication skills, interview skills, how to self-advocate and things like that. Yeah. The kinds of jobs that you're helping them to prepare for are what? All sorts of jobs. Our goal is to provide as holistic as experience as possible. First, we're org- focusing on some of the more accessible skills for all of our volunteers to work with, um, since we have a team of very passionate volunteers working to make these videos. So starting off with what we're good at. But after that, we want to expand to all sorts of different employment sectors. I, I can't think of the name of the company right now, and I have to look it up and I have to get you the name of it. But there are people in the world who are finding special gifts among those who are neurodiverse, who make them better at quality assurance and software, who make them better programmers, who make them better at these different IT kinds of skills in particular. So is that on your roadmap? Is that something that you're thinking about? And Or say more about that. Yeah, so I would say my firsthand experience with that comes from being an intern at the Stanford Neurodiversity Project, something that they really emphasize, and I personally learned a lot about from my experience there is something called the strength-based model, which focuses on these strengths and bringing out these strengths and focusing on what makes neurodiversity is just about all about the differences of neurodiverse people, rather than some of the more stigmatized things like the deficits and weaknesses, we focus on the strengths. So that's why, that's where I get all my personal experience. And that's something we definitely hope to bring into us. And inclusion. Okay. So now you have S and <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking to you about two companies here uh, or two offerings, but so you have this SN inclusion. I'm pretty clear on that. So when you think about awesome, it, it seems like what you're really working towards is access for therapy. Is that what you're working towards? Yes. So one other thing that we're working towards with the accessibility sector is bridging what we call the bridging the digital and physical world of at-home therapy. Mm -hmm. So we want to bring in all sorts of different types of learning methods for people with different learning styles. So one with an app, with a video, with reading manuals, and with the physical hand-on kits. Right now, your company is all nonprofit and it's sustained in that way. But you're thinking that you could start offering these kits for sale. Do you have a Shopify site set up right now or you know where are you with that? Yeah, so one of the things that we're definitely looking to do is making sure we're ready before we send that selling out there. We have our platform pretty much ready to go. 
but we are looking to really refine our kit. We sent out these 200 kits largely. We really hope for parent feedback on how we can improve our kits. We hope for therapist feedback. And after we take in those feedback from these free kits we sent out, we hope to improve our kits and then vamp up everything. And one of the things we really want to do is provide customizable kits because we know that across different ages, across just being on the autism spectrum, you can't really say that two people with autism are ever the same. So that's why we want to provide these customizable kits before we're ready to sell. Isabella, it's so interesting to me. You're so clear on what it is that you're doing. You're like you're pivoting, you're navigating a lot of just crazy things here. It's a very complex problem. I love that you went out and you did a bunch of surveys and you did a bunch of phone calls and you found out a lot of information. I find that for a lot of founders, like 90% of success is internal work. It's the overcoming self-doubt. It's the, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not whatever enough. I don't see that in you. And maybe I, maybe it's because you present yourself really well, right? So I wonder, do you ever struggle with that? Do you ever struggle with imposter syndrome or anything like that? I would say as a high school student jumping into this arena, I think I go through some different challenges that many adults would say they'd go through. I think the biggest issue for me in that regard is knowing like when I believe in an idea that I should carry it through. So we did receive in those phone calls that you mentioned some feedback that wasn't exactly what we wanted to hear. So a lot of the professors were like, this idea isn't helpful enough or this idea won't fly. And Personally, I believed in our idea and I believe that through my experiences with the therapist that I think it would provide value. And my only goal really, I think, given that I'm a high school student, I maybe have a little bit different goals and that we're not trying to make money. We're not trying to sustain on a profit. We're just trying to make an impact. So I think one of the things that we were just like, I believe in my idea and then I will carry it through. And if it provides value to some families, then we achieved our goal. I find that the best entrepreneurs, they simultaneously hold two ideas in their head. So one idea is I would run through a wall to solve this problem, right? Like they're so in love with the problem that they are just willing to just take it on no matter what. That They have that moment of obligation that says, this is mine, I have to go do it. The other characteristic is they have the humility to say, you know what? I don't have all the answers. And, and so maybe I'm not 100% there. And so I might have to shape this a little bit differently or pivot a little bit differently. It sounds to me like that those are the two ideas that you're keeping in mind because you're saying we're sending these kids out, but we're not ready yet. We're, we're still taking feedback. So do you think that's true for you and your teammates? Yes, definitely. What do you think you've learned on your journey that uh, you could pass on to other early stage uh, entrepreneurs? I would say the most important and most helpful thing that I personally did with my team, one is the team itself, because I'm so lucky to work with these individuals who are just as passionate as I am, who are just as willing to delve deep into the issues that we see and who are just as willing to use their skills to contribute to awesome, to contribute to S and inclusion. So I'm so lucky that I have this great team with me. And I would encourage everybody who's looking to start their startup, to start their social enterprise, to really focus on building that strong team. And then also giving your team the confidence to carry on with their ideas. So going back to the kind of feedback that we got from that professor, we had as a team struggled a little bit to keep up team morale. We struggled a little bit to 
believe in our idea together as a team. So I think one of the really important things to do is to just make sure your team all believes in your idea and all is willing to dedicate their efforts and their time into this idea. Yeah. If people were looking for SN Inclusion or Awesome, where would they look online? For SN Inclusion, you can go to our website. So www.sninclusion.org. For Awesome, it's www.awesome.org ausome.co and we are also on Instagram with those two handles and we're also on Facebook so you can always look us up there. If you were to call on us to go and do something as a result of this conversation, what would it be? So for S and inclusion, I would emphasize the importance for everybody to go out there who has the ability to employ individuals to look at their hiring processes, to look at their interview processes and their workplace um, safety and the workplace environment and how welcoming it is. And if there are things to tweak to make it more accommodating to neurodiversity and inclusion, I would encourage everybody to look that up. And one of the things is there's lots of benefits that you can think about for hiring neurodiverse individuals. There is the ability that people are so dedicated. The neurodiverse individuals, I would say, are some of the most passionate and dedicated individuals I know. And then I also think that there are workplace tax credits. So you can even get some benefits there if you employ neurodiverse individuals. So I would encourage everybody to look at their own hiring processes and employment workplaces and think about how they can use more resources that are out there to make it more welcoming. And then as a general call to action, I would just encourage everybody to look around and look at the neurodiverse people they see and just keep in mind their own reflections and how they treat neurodiversity and think about inclusion. And I think that's so, so crucial. And I also encourage everybody to just go out there and make a change in anything that they see that can be improved in this world. Well, Isabella, thank you so much for being with us on Social Entrepreneur. Thank you for having me. And thanks to you, the listener, for joining us today. You are the reason that we produce Social Entrepreneur. You can find the show notes, bonus material, and more at TonyLloyd.com. That's T-O-N-Y-L-O-Y-D.com. Well, listen, thanks so much for joining me today. And until next time, please remember to use this one short, amazing life and go make an impact. Thanks. We'll talk to you next time on Social Entrepreneur.